Hey everybody, welcome to the Big Ticket Variety and iHeart's movie podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. In this episode, I chat with marriage story writer and director Noah Bomback. Noah opens up about what inspired his divorce drama, casting Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, and reaching out to Stephen Sondheim about using his song, Being Alive, in the film. I'll have that and more coming up after the break. Lancaster, South Carolina is in the middle of not much. But growing up nearby, I knew it as the hometown of a black man named Jim Duncan, who became a Super Bowl hero. Duncan, up to the 15, the 20. Now my new podcast, Return Man, I'll discover that his death still makes no sense at all. The story was that my brother went into the police station, took a gun off a police officer, and shot himself in the head. Most people don't believe that. For the past three years at the Rock Hill Herald, I've looked back at a story that's timelier than ever. Breaking news. Don't shoot! Have you got some time to talk? It involves race, the mental state of the person, and a town that was scared to death to say anything. Listen to Return Man on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you took away the date and time, could you imagine that happening today? Yes, you can. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking? and want to know how to make it your career. Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Welcome back to the big ticket. Here's Noah Bombach. Tell me what was the moment when you realized, okay, I'm going to be making, I'm going to be writing marriage story. Well, I think that, 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 uh, this one is one that I've had even maybe this one's even been like sitting like two rooms over for a while. (laughs) (laughs) And while I've made a couple of movies that have, you know, and, um, and there are those sort of ideas and thoughts that, that, that do sort of, live with me a while and I know that I'm not ready for them yet. You know, mm. they're just not, I mean, it's almost like maybe a way an actor might think about like a part that they know they need to grow into. Like they're okay. not old enough to play King Lear yet, right. you know, <laughs> that, that, but you know, it's there somewhere mm. on the horizon. And I, sometimes some ideas and some thoughts exist that way. Um, with marriage story, I think, um, it was, I was, I was in some kind of, post-production on Meyerowitz or uh, it was towards the end of just the, like the finishing finishing. And I started to write sort of some scenes for this or things more, the character started to form a little bit more clearer or more clearly. And, and, and it also came from my conversations with Adam driver Mm -hmm. who um, we had been talking about, what we were going to do together. I knew I wanted to, I wanted to work with him again. Um, I mean, we, he, he was in Meyerowitz, but it was, mm-hmm. a, it was, a, 
you know, kind of a very specific right. scene. Um, uh, and we had talked about sort of what we might want to do. And I wanted to do something with him, uh, you know, that he would be in the whole movie. And, um, and so that kind of dovetailed with whatever little ideas right. I started to have. I had Adam first, but then, okay. then I went very early. I went to Scarlett and to Laura while I was still formulating the script. I mean, and at that point I knew, you know, I thought that I knew it was going to have the, the sort of, the narrative would take a couple through a divorce. Right. Um, and I knew I kind of also essentially saw it as a love story. Um, mm. And and I went to th those three actors sort of with, you know, that and, and, you know, other little strands of things. And, right. And then talked to them too about what, you know, their own, not only their own experiences, but also just sort of what was interesting to them and what, mm. what, you know, and, and, and things from those conversations definitely found their way into the movie. And how do you, how do you know Scarlett and, and do you do a chemistry read for them? How do you know that they're going to connect or is it sort of like, I just think it's going to happen. It's really, I just think it's going to happen. That's I, amazing. I, I think, I mean, I find if you cast the individual parts, right, mm -hmm. you know, the, the chemistry takes care of itself. And mm. I think, when there's no chemistry, I think it's, or the chemistry is not, you know, I don't know, ideal or whatever it is. I think it's usually because something isn't cast right or right. written right or hmm. shot right. I don't, I don't think, I don't know that. I mean, I, I don't know. I, maybe there's, you know, you know, I, I, I find the more I do it that all the sort of magical stuff of movies is a result of, all the construction and planning. Mm -hmm. So the more something is, is figured out in advance and, you know, the more a scene is blocked, the more, the, you know, the, the, the more specific, the dialogue, the, the writing it's, then you've created an environment where all the, the magic stuff of movies can, is at least more likely to occur. Was there a moment when you started filming where you looked at Adam and Scarlett and goes, that's right. I made the right choice. <laughs> I knew that pretty early on. Yeah. Um, and, um, and it's something too, I mean, Adam and I talked about Scarlett was the first person we thought of and, and, and we knew we wanted somebody, you know, that was going to be formidable. I mean, mm -hmm. equally formidable. Right. Uh, and, um, and she, you know, I, I, I didn't have a plan B, so I'm lucky she, even though she was going through a divorce in real <laughs> life, she said yes. And, and, um, uh, and was, um, you know, as, as kind of open and free as she was in doing them. It's either the greatest therapy session for her or like <laughs> just really just self punishing. <laughs> right. Maybe uh, a little of both. I, when I saw the movie, I saw, uh, when did I say it? Tell you, yeah, tell you right. First thing I did was I called my husband and I said, babe, I just saw this movie. Could you promise me one thing? And he said, what? I said, please don't ever divorce me. <laughs> and then I, then I thought, you know, we can't help it. We think of our parents' divorce. We, I remember the conversation sitting down, 1979, sitting, me and my brother in the kitchen. It was my mom who told us. And it's, you know, it is a sad movie. Like when you hear people, you know, 
we all everyone's crying during your movie. Does that make you feel good? Because <laughs> you're getting it right, but people are you know walking away going, I'm sad. Well, Peter Peter Bogdanovich told me a good story of um, he saw um, uh, like an early screening. Um, I think even before they were finished fully of uh woman under the influence because mm-hmm. he was friends with Cassavetes and Jenna Rollins. And he said, so he went I think, and with a group of people and they all sobbed and staggered out of mm-hmm. the, out of the screening room. And he said, and Cassavetes and, and Rollins were s- sitting there with these huge smiles <laughs> on their faces. Like, like, so, huh? You know, cause they, they're, they're looking for the response to the achievement of what they've right. done, which is not necessarily the mood everybody's quite <laughs> in. And I, I, Peter, of course, told that story now relate, relating to it on both sides. Right. And I think we, you know, we can all relate to it on both sides of, of, you know, sometimes, yeah, you feel like you're, you know, like a, a cat that's like brought a dead <laughs> bird to the, you know, as if it's a gift and you're right. like, you know, they're so proud of themselves and you're like, thank you i understand what you thought you were bringing me um your movie is much better than a dead bird <laughs> no, i don't mean to compare it to a dead bird but but the sort of disparate sort of emotional like people finding themselves in, in different emotional spots and one thing i've and correct me if i'm wrong i've read you know you talk about you know having sadness and it being in a very emotional movie for you yeah um to to write to film was it a healing thing for you or just like the viewer, you know, the audience member like myself who just is going to find this sad or, you know, like I said about Scarlet, was this a big therapy session for you or? Well, I think watching, I, I definitely had moments in, in shooting the movie um, uh, and, and certainly in, in finishing the movie, I mean, in the editing and watching it where, because of what they brought to it. I mean, because mm-hmm. of it's so personal on their, what they're doing is so personal. Right. Um, and so revealing in a way. I mean, it's, it's, um, and this goes to what I was saying earlier of like, I think bec- it gives them more opportunity to bring themselves and to reveal things because they're lifted of the burden of blocking a scene or coming up with the lines. <laughs> like it actually having all that structure, I think gives them, all, all that freedom yeah. yeah and i was affected by them in ways that took me out of my own role in the in the movie mm-hmm. i mean it it put me in like you like like in, in a kind of spectator audience mm-hmm. place uh which is no small feat because i've spent a lot of hours with this material um and um and i know how the sausage is made and you know where that cut is and why and um uh uh but what they're doing is so honest that i that i i find catharsis in 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 watching some of those sequences and and i feel like i'm watching something they've done right what was the hardest day on set the hardest day was the sh- the, f- the fight sequence, yeah. and, and that was two days on set. Um, but also the most rewarding for mm. the same, really for the same reasons, because it was so intense and and again so choreographed and blocked, right. and everything was really prepared. I felt really ready for it, and they did too. And and 
it, but, and what they were doing was so, was this kind of beautiful blend of unconscious and conscious of, of there was like both such precision in everything they were doing mm. and also such abandon too. There was right. just, so, there was something totally lost uh, um, in, in moments that where you felt them like, you know, as if they're searching for words, even though they know what the words are. It's like mm. that thing that, um, uh, this thing that um, Mike Nichols said about improvisation. He was saying, cause you know, he did, did it better than anybody <laughs> except maybe Elaine May um, uh, uh, is um, that, you know, when he said, when, when, when we were improvising, we were never thinking about, our character's motivation or like what, why would we say a certain line this mm -hmm. way? Or would my character do this? He's like, no, you're just so excited to have thought of this thing <laughs> you're about to say that you can't wait to say it. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, well, and he's like, and that's what I try to get actors to that moment wow. of, of where it's just on the tip of their tongue. And that's how that sequence felt, but it was because of the nature of it and because of the emotional toll, you know, and the, I mean, really just the exhaustion on their part. I, I had a hard time sometimes separating myself from it. I felt like I needed breaks in ways that mm. I don't normally feel like I do. Really? In a movie. Yeah. Wow. And that didn't stop that. Cause then in the editing room, I'm watching all of this footage and over and over getting, again. Getting and I'm still getting upset by it. And, and, um, uh, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, and I felt responsibility to them too, to make, you know, to, to do them the justice too, that right. they were, um, but, but, uh, but it was also extremely rewarding. I mean, because I felt like we were, you know, I felt like this was in some senses, the best thing I had ever been involved with, even mm. just this sequence of that we were working on. We're going to take a short break, but stick around to find out what happened when Noah reached out to Stephen Sondheim about wanting Adam Driver to sing Being Alive in Marriage Story. We'll be right back. Okay, let's go. So we're supposed to be sticking to the script. But we ain't. Because <laughs> that's just not what we do. It's your girl, Tim Bam, y'all. And it's AJ Hey, And we're giving a whole bunch of good, bad advice. And a lot of bad, great <laughs> advice. <laughs> we're trying to teach you how to say when, how, and how much, y'all. Yes, uh, Now, that doesn't always have to apply to your sex life, ladies. It can absolutely apply to your career. Unless your sex life is your career, then it's interchangeable. <laughs> We're talking about a whole lot of sex. I love the sex. Hey, and a bunch of money. We love the money and relationships. Yeah, We're going to work on that. <laughs> so listen to our new show, We Talk Back, every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Noah Bumbach. One thing, you were talking about exhaustion. So Scarlett told us at the premiere, I think, here in LA, that you work your actors to an exhaustive state. <laughs> and she said, which is great because their guards are down and it's when they're most vulnerable and probably get the best work out of them. Is that a conscious thing on your part or is it just... Like a scene like this, it's going to be exhaustive. It doesn't. It doesn't matter who the director is in that sense. Well, I think sometimes, sometimes 
maybe an actor comes into something and this was not the case with Scarlett and Adam, but sometimes an actor might come into something with a kind of rhythm Mm -hmm. and I find there is a kind of breaking through that where I do multiple takes because I I want to kind of throw them off the rhythm and I find that they're going to get somewhere more interesting. In this case, I felt like the scenes, there was, there was just so much to explore in the scenes and they would, they would reveal things in the scenes by what they were doing that would give me more ideas for the scenes. So it's like, you know, a lot of times I'll find like the note I give after a take is often something that they've in a sense already done in the first take, but they've just maybe touched it and Mm -hmm. they've given me the idea that this is now possible. So then I'm saying, okay, can you now, what what happens if we like you know if i give you a little bit of direction towards that further because maybe they didn't even know they were doing that it's something they kind of right. found you know or something that adam did differently that made scarlet do something differently i mean every take is alive that way and so um so i find and i love that about uh, the job i get to do is is exploring these scenes and exploring it with people who are kind of you know, you know, who, who, who want to get the most out of it. Mm. You know, it's not, it is, I mean, I've heard Adam will talk about like doing theater versus doing my movies or, uh, and you know, I mean, by nature theater, you get to come back and do it again the next yeah. day and just keep doing it right. and doing it. Um, and, uh, you know, in a sense, what we're doing is condensing that into sometimes, right. you know, a couple hours. Um, uh, but, um, but you know, I don't ever want to leave on a day and feel like we didn't, right. we didn't, we could have done better or done more. So, how many uh, pieces of drywall or wall did you go through? <laughs> a lot, and we would we would actually flip it uh, because <laughs> because um, uh, there was a there was a wall on the wall for him right. to hit. Um, and, uh, so sometimes we would flip it. So the hole was on the bottom because he could hit the top. <laughs> was he like, this hurts. It's yeah. enough. <laughs> there's actually, there's a good photo. Um, I think, I think it's actually been released, but there's yeah. a photo. It's a black and white photo of, of me with the two of them in that scene. And we're all singing. There's a vacuum in the back, which was there to, to vacuum up the drywall <laughs> because it kept, you know, all the little crumbs that would come. And then. But and then if you look closely, Adam's also holding a bag of ice to his hand oh, yeah. oh, wow. because it really, it really did start to hurt. <laughs> Exhaustive, yeah. like Scarlett said, yeah. and physically exhausting. That that scene was everything. It was it, it was you know verbally, mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, and physically a lot. How do you how, do you prepare that the day you're going to shoot a scene like that? Is there a different sort of prep that goes into it? Is there a different, you know, do you sit down with Adam and Scarlett beforehand? And is it a different sort of talk that you have? Well, that's that scene. Everyone knew also because it was two days. And anytime you're presented with a page, I think it was like an 11 page scene. So like, you know, you know, everyone knows going into (laughs) it. You don't have to say much. It's kind of self-evident. But but, you know, every scene we, we rehearse every scene, but that scene we, you know, we did give extra attention to mm-hmm. in the, in the, before we started shooting, um, you know, just sort of in rehearsal space, just right. saying the lines, getting used to the rhythm of the rhythm. it and then moving it to the location, blocking it in the location, getting mm. the, so by the time we're shooting it, we've already kind of spent some time with it. It's right. not, it, we're not, we, we know we have a good roadmap for it. 
Um, but it is, it, it, you know, that's definitely one of those days where um, the crew, you feel it in the crew and everybody too. Right. Everyone's just a little bit quieter. Mm. I mean, I like a quiet set, but everything is a little bit quieter. The, you know, the boom operator often is not looking, you know, it's like right. almost the same way they, they treat like a love scene or something. Right. There's a sort of intimacy to it where they're looking the other way yeah, but you don't still want different. someone to be staring at you yeah. when you're getting that wrecked and there is that feeling i think everybody was trying to sort of yeah recede a bit mm. um and we didn't you know it's a small apartment anyway we didn't have a lot of people in there right um uh but it did take like you're saying like the resets with the wall and the you know there was <laughs> there was uh you know often breaks that would be built into it but it was also over two days so like you know and and the scene momentum is a big part of that scene right. so it's a hard scene to just say let let's start here right but i was often, gonna say that often yeah. you needed to start earlier to get them to here even if you knew that here was what you wanted to focus on in that moment and even if they've broken down over here they got to go back into that space of not broken down uh, yeah Oof. absolutely so you go to the end of the scene and uh, you know a version of what you see in the movie and, and then you can only imagine then they're going to have to go do earlier stuff Whoa. later um and it, you know there's it was all very uh deliberately shot too of like when we're in the wides then when we get into the the sort of very there's sort of three versions of close-up mm -hmm. that ends up really with their faces kind of right in the hole and all of that too i had knew where i wanted to cut within the dialogue and so you would cut it and then uh, i would wow. well they and so what i would i i would have them do is also v physical motion with the word so i'd be like so could you maybe start saying it looking down but then turn in wow. when you say it so that way when you turn i'm going to cut on that mo thing to her and she's going to come back or like her forward huh. you know so so all of that was uh, jen lame and i who edits uh, my editor we had that all sort of structured you know, but again, that's that precision wow. for them that they can do that and still perform at that kind of level. So how do you go from this to Barbie? <laughs> so what do you, how are you going to make Barbie come alive? It's, it's too early to know. <laughs> it's too early to know. How do you, how does your agent, your manager come to you and say, Hey, there's this Barbie thing going around. Like, how does that happen? Um, well, I mean, you know, I've done, I written uh, Madagascar yeah. three, and I, yeah. I worked, you know, I worked on uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox with yeah. Wes, and so you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've always, I find that like movie, whatever movie I'm doing, it always feels like a kind of conversation with my childhood self in mm -hmm. some way that who, who loved movies and wanted to right. make, hope to make movies, but but was just like a movie goer and, and thought in terms of movies. And so I think that for me, making something that might be more, um, I don't want to say for kids, but for like, you know, that, that that's a family mm -hmm. oriented thing doesn't feel any different than doing something that's, you know, like the movies you might associate with me. Right. So I did talk to Greta the other day and I said, so what's it like going into award season and you guys could be very well competing against each other, going to the Oscars together, going against each other. She's like, we haven't really talked about it. I don't think of them as competition. I'm like, well, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Is that surreal? Well, it's only nice that, you know, to have movies and 
that you know i mean it's like the thing of like i know how hard she's worked on her mm-hmm. movie and she knows how hard i've worked on mine and how long these things have been gestating and conversations we've had you know we we, we you know, even if we're not like collaborating officially right um we're always talking through things together and mm-hmm. you know i think i feel very much a part of her movies i mean they're you know just in terms of like you know, the, I was there from the early parts right. as I think and hope she feels with mine. I mean, um, Little Women, the first screening they had at the DGA, I t- I've never seen anything like it. People were going into the parking lot. People were yelling at each other, getting almost into accidents. We got there. There was a line. So we were all, a bunch of the press were freaking out. I had my husband with me. The ref comes up to me. He's like, you're not going to be able to bring your husband in. We're booked. And I, me and someone else got the last two seats. Wow. People were sitting in the aisles. Amy Pascal was asking for seats and they were like, sorry, Amy, we don't got any more seats left. Yeah. It was nuts. That's amazing. So, uh, next up for you, what do you got? What? Well, the there, fu- are things, there are rumors out there, no rumors. What, what do you got? Well, it's funny because the, the conversation we we're having earlier about the thing that's percolating, that's sort of takes its sort of got it it's i don't actually have that thing right now it's the really? first time in a long time i that i i feel like i'm kind of depleted and and have to you know you know i, I we'll see what i but i really don't know what's next and a kind of exciting Do you worry about that um i mean i it's it's an unusual place to find myself but i'm actually i think kind of like it too because mm-hmm. i i've been working I've kind of just gone rolled in to movie to movie for a while right. and an idea to idea. And mm-hmm. I think in a way it's probably, you know, at least I'm telling myself this it's healthy. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, also we have an eight month old, so it's, you know, that, that takes up some time. That takes up some time <laughs> and, and, and time I'm happy to, to have taken up. So um, I don't know. I, I, on the flight, when I flew here, I started writing some stuff down and I thought like, oh, instead so, of so like, you are, so like you are, a little so you're thing. You're not taking a break yet. No, no. But, <laughs> you know, these are like, these are words, sentences. <laughs> these are not, this is not a, not a movie. Um, so where are Nicole and Charlie now? I don't know. I really don't. I kind of feel like I, you just, uh, I have up till the cars drive down that drive away from us. It. No. Hmm. it's the movie ends there for me and it's up to us to try to yeah you it's for everyone else to take it on take and take it into the world with them i i i um no i feel like with all my movies i don't really have know where they Mm. go i mean i it's not a um it's kind of the thing with you only really need to know as much as you're showing you know right and being alive Sondheim yeah so have you heard from Sondheim I haven't I'd be be fun to um uh I mean I reached out I I I, through people I wrote him a letter asking you did about if we could use it uh and and you you could drive a person crazy the that she sings um and he was really generous with this with the songs and um Mm. so um but um uh but yeah i mean obviously i'd be curious what he what he thinks and adam i mean his voice is great 
It really, it just really worked. Yeah, it was, uh, that was a fun, you know, one of those like days of shooting, you know, like a lot of times when you're shooting things, you're not, you're not getting the necessarily the chill that you might get when it's in the movie. Mm -hmm. That was one of those days where you're getting the chill while you're right. shooting it. And, um, you know, it's all one take too. So it was right. like, we did, I think like 12 of them or something. And, um, 12, um, Whoa. And, uh, you know, the whole theater group was there. And at that point, everybody, we'd done a lot of the theater stuff and they kind of every, and a lot of those are real. I mean, they are all real. Yeah. No, actors, I was looking, I was like, know. Oh yeah, that's how, Oh yeah. That's how. Yeah. 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 And great. They're such great actors and, and people, and they were all kind of, it was a, it was a really nice vibe on set the days they were there. Cause they were, they were like a kind of another family in the movie. And, um, so they were all there. Did they you know, applaud? Watching and, yeah, applauding <laughs> and, you know, just watch. It was just a really nice, uh, nice time. And it's at that place, the Knickerbocker, which mm -hmm. I don't know if you know it yeah. on university. And, um, you know, we, it's not far from where I live. And it was sort of, uh, we'd been, we'd also just come back from LA because mm -hmm. there was the, the New York portion we shot later. So I, I did feel like, you know, it was, it was, towards getting towards the end of the shoot we'd been through a lot um and, um, <laughs> and you're still being alive <laughs> and yeah 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 and just to have that uh that kind of reward i mean it, it is again those sort of like things where you're all you have to do is watch at a certain <laughs> point you know just right you know that um uh it is what that's also like one that and during scarlet's monologue and i kind of see those as sort of companion pieces right. um is sort of the only uh that's it. Those, those times are the only times the camera moves sort of un, unmotivated by physical motion. Mm. You know, the camera mm. moves a lot in the movie because people move a lot. Right. But it never like pushes in except when she's talking to Nora right. and when Adam sings that song. And I always find that exciting in filmmaking when you kind mm. of are breaking your own rules, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was nice, too, of just like, you know, having the camera kind of creeping in as he's singing. Mm. The other thing that um w w made made another sort of exciting part of that sequence because we did there, there you know there are these sort of fade outs throughout the movie mm -hmm. as a kind of sort of little breaths and um i we did the fade outs in camera so mm -hmm. that they're they're actually photo they're, they're so they're done actually right, on the post, right. and because i find that the uh digital fade outs to me always never quite feel satisfying and i i have done them before and tried to figure workarounds to get mm -hmm. them to look more filmy but i never felt totally satisfied so we so we did this because i because there's something about that sort of like collapsing and mm -hmm. crushing of an old fade out like a yeah. real fade out so and so that was it was always going to happen at the end of his singing so it added another piece of drama to the whole mm -hmm. thing because after adam finishes the song then robbie's got to time <laughs> it just to get that fade out at the right wow. moment so that always was like a kind of extra excitement of like <laughs> when that goes down we so you almost had a little bit of that you know even on set of that feeling of like what what is yeah are we gonna get it and then if it when it did happen that feeling you get in the movie of that sort of crushing right. almost sort of collapsing black and last question what's the one movie you could watch over and over again and you never get bored well there are a lot of them um as a kid it was et yeah why is that because i 
it had such an emotional impact on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but it was it, like in that hurt so good way that I kind of kept wanting, to, I'd kept going back to get that mm-hmm. catharsis of yeah. that thing. I mean, the, I've always, saying goodbye has always been a, a, a source of heartbreak for me in movies, you know, mm-hmm. like The Wizard of Oz when she says goodbye to the scarecrow, yeah. you know, like that sort mm-hmm. of, like and so saying goodbye to et that ending always just got me and then like seeing it uh with my son my now nine-year-old but um you know and uh you know like crying together (laughs) (laughs) awesome noah thank you so much thank you great yeah thank thank you. you that was noah bomback Thanks for listening to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. Happy holidays and happy new year. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the metro. No mask, no metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. I've got one word for you. Tom Cruise. On this new weekly podcast, Meeting Tom Cruise, we're going to talk about Tom Cruise. Everyone who's met him has an amazing story to tell. Hey, everybody, I'm Jeff Meacham from TV's Blackish. I'm Joel Johnstone from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. We are inspired by Tom Cruise, but we've never actually met Tom Cruise. But after we talk to some people who have, maybe we finally will. It's not impossible. Listen to Meeting Tom Cruise on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.